Good morning. The title of today's sermon is Believing for the Right Reasons, but before I jump in, something struck me as we were going through this morning. I, I really, I'm going to be honest, I love the way everything's coming together this morning. This idea of belief and why do we believe. And I've enjoyed everybody's comments, and I've enjoyed, you know, I enjoy Greg's comments about Thomas. I'm going to suggest something to you. I am going to suggest that you go to John chapter 11 and you read the words, Come, let us go, that we may die with him. Because those were words spoken by Thomas. Now that wasn't part of the sermon. I'm throwing that in for free. No, seriously, I want you to think about this. We think about Thomas as being doubting Thomas, and I understand that. Thomas was a man of courage. Thomas was actually one of the disciples that said, Come, let us go, that we may die with him. You know, it's all a matter of perspective. And what sells newspapers? Good news or bad news? Seems like bad news, yes? That's good news. Amen? All right, now the premise of my sermon today, you know, the idea of believing for the right reasons, um, here it is, though. We're going to approach this from kind of like, we're not going to go in the front door, we're going to kind of come in the back door. And here's what I mean by that, okay? Now, do not give me a show of hands on this. You know, I like show of hands. Don't give me a show of hands on this. How many of you have ever attended an event or maybe gone to like a family event, not because you wanted to, but because you felt a sense of duty? <laughs> Wise not to raise your hand at this point. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you another question. How many of you think in here, here we go, how many of you think in here, and I'm afraid there's not a whole lot in here today, but how many of you in here think that this has been a um, very much a inspiration to people to get them to do that which they did not want to do. How many of you have heard the term intrinsic motivation or extrinsic motivation? Extrinsic motivation is motivation that occurs outside of the body. Intrinsic motivation is motivation that occurs inside of the body. Who are my gumdrop people in here? Who like gumdrops? Come on, do you like gumdrops? All right, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Let me see some hands again. Who likes gumdrops? Kinsley, you like gumdrops? Ah, uh, Kinsley's like, come on now, Kinsley, you got to work with me here. <laughs> Kinsley, you like gumdrops? If I told you that I would give you a gumdrop, would you come give me a hug? <laughs> would you do it for just one gumdrop? Would you do it? How about if I offered to give you the whole bag? Come on. You gonna come give me come give me a hug and I'll give you the bag of gumdrops. Oh, you're killing me. Man, you're hey, 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 you gotta work with me. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How about this? How about this, Kinsley? How about if I come to you? Okay. Hey, now that's a woman for you. They learn at an early age. How do they do that? Okay, but you got to give me a hug. Oh, all right, there you go. Now, you want to know, you want to know why I chose her and not Greg? 
Let me tell you something about Kinsley. Kinsley used to run up to me at the end of every service at Bartlettsville, and she would come up, and this was when she was just a little bitty tyke, and she would run up, and she would grab my leg and give me a big hug. I knew she'd give me a hug whether I gave her the gumdrops or not. <laughs> but let me ask you this. How many of you in here, at some point in time, how many of you in here maybe bribed a grandchild or a son or daughter just a little bit? Uh-huh. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for letting us be here today. And Heavenly Father, I'm thankful that we can come together. Heavenly Father, I would like for us to consider today why we believe. And I, and, and I don't know as I even have a starting point for that or as I really have an ending point because there are so many things that we believe. And not only are there so many things that we believe, but Heavenly Father, why did we come today? Why are we here? What do we believe? And why do we believe it? You know, I think the Bible makes it very clear, Lord, and maybe I'm wrong. But I think the Bible makes it very clear that it is a wise man who inspects themselves. The Bible tells us that we need to live a life worthy of our calling, that we need to make our election sure. This morning, Lord, we're going to kind of do this kind of a backdoor method, I guess. We're not really going to look at people that believe necessarily for the right reasons. We're going to look at maybe some folks who maybe they believe for the wrong reasons. But what we're ultimately going to ask ourselves, Lord, I hope, myself included, is we're going to ask ourselves why we believe, what we believe, and why we are here. You asked your disciples to consider that. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we love you. And all God's people said? Amen. All right, so here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you to finish that sentence, but you're not going to finish it for me. You're just going to finish it for yourself. And I like this picture because this is the year 2020. If you come in here tomorrow night, good Lord willing, if you come in here tomorrow night, I'm going to be sitting at my desk in my office, and I'm going to have my computer on, I'm going to have my phone, I'm going to have my Bible, and I'm going to be studying. This is the way we study today. You know, I used to carry around this really thick book called a Exhaustive Concordance. I don't even know where it's at now because I can do what I need to do quicker with my computer than I could with that book. The way we study and the way we do things has changed. But the question is the same. I believe because. Why do I believe? Why do I believe what I believe? And that is up to you to finish. All right, if you would, grab your Bibles. If you would, grab your Bible, your electronic version, whatever it is you use, and go to Acts chapter 8. All right, grab your Bible and go to Acts chapter 8. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at an example of a guy who maybe didn't believe for the right reasons. I don't know. That's going to be up for you to decide. Okay? So go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And we're going to look at a fellow named Simon who was from Samaria. And so let's read the story and kind of talk about the story together. And I will tell you the premise of today's sermon is very, very simple. It's a very, very simple premise. 
Okay? Why do you believe what you believe? All right, go to Acts chapter 8, and let's start with verse 9. And we're going to read from verse 9 through 25, and then we'll examine this story very quickly, and we'll go from there. All right, here we go. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, and they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, I'm sorry, then Simon, verse 18, then Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands. He offered them money. They didn't have gumdrops. He offered them money, verse 19, and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered. Now, I love you guys, and I know when you read these stories, you immerse yourself into the story, because I think that's what we need to do. We need to immerse ourselves into the story, and we need to imagine what the characters, we need to imagine what the exchange between the characters would have been like. And I'm going to tell you what I perceive at this point right here. I perceive that Peter answers him in a very stern way. How many of you ever had a member of your family that kind of intimidated you a little bit, and all they had to do was be just a little bit stern with their voice, and that was enough? I believe Peter, at this juncture, gets a little bit stern. And here's what he says. Look at what he says in verse 20. In verse 20, he says, Then Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money? You have no share or part in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Look at that again. Your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. 
Then Simon answered in verse 24, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. And, they had fur and after they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. All right, now, before we go any further, before we go any further, just real quickly, do you think the disciples were just a little bit excited that they were having some success in Samaria? What do you think? I guarantee they were excited about that because what do we know about the Samaritans and the Jews? We know that they hated one another. Now, you read the story, the account with me, so here we go. Who? Who's the who? Simon of? I will come to your pew. Simon of who? Simon of Samaria. What about the issue? What's the issue? What does Simon want? By the way, what was Simon's vocation? You read this at the beginning of the story. What was his vocation? Well, what does that mean at that time? What did he practice? Come on, he practiced magic. Was Simon, was Simon able to do what the disciples were able to do? What's the answer to that? Do you think Simon was raising people from the dead? Do you think Simon was getting bit by poisonous snakes and surviving? Do you think that Simon was doing some of the things that the apostles were able to do? What was Simon probably doing? Simon was doing sleight-of-hand tricks. Simon was doing things that the people thought were really cool. Hey, listen, when I watch magicians on TV and they saw somebody in half, how do they do it? Am I the only one in here that says, wow, I forgot about something. You know what I forgot about? You know what I'm thinking right now, don't you? Ugh, you got any quick stuff you can do? <laughs> this man right here, I forgot all about, man, I wish I'd remember that sooner. I'd have hooked you up. We'd have given you front and center. This young man right here did a magic show at camp this summer. So I know I'm talking right now, and, I, I, and we made eye contact, and we made eye contact. I could tell that he was thinking about it because he knows that he kind of likes magic. Simon liked magic. Not only did Simon like magic, Simon liked, and, and did you enjoy entertaining? I mean, did you? You know, the thing that amazed me is that, you know, uh, he seemed, he, it, it, most of the time he seems fairly shy, but man, when he got up there that day, I could tell that he was enjoying himself. Simon liked being known as somebody. Matter of fact, what did, what did it say? They thought he was the great power of who? They thought he was the great power of God. What did Peter say to him? Come on, you read it with me. This is a simple premise today. What did Peter say to him? Peter said what? He said, your heart's not in the what? Your heart is not in the right place. What did Simon try to do? 
you know, I really thought I had Kinsley going there for a while. I thought she was really going to really going to help me out by coming down front, but she made me come to her. <laughs> Simon wanted to buy this power. Now, here's the million dollar question. And if you expect me to give you an answer today, I'm not going to give you an answer because what did it say earlier in the story? Now, I want you to think about this. What did it say earlier in the story? It said that Simon believed. It said that Simon believed. It said that Simon accepted the Lord. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to be totally honest, and you do not, once again, you're not going to give me a show of hands. Have you ever had a discussion with your wife? Have you ever had a discussion with your friend? Have you ever had a discussion with someone else where you talked about someone else's motives? Guaranteed. I guarantee every single one of us have had a discussion with someone about someone else's motives. You wouldn't believe how many discussions Jamie and I have had in the past probably month and a half since they decided to do all of this stuff in the North Lawrence Community Schools and they're closing these schools and they're moving people around and don't you think for one second that there's been a point, I'm sure there's been many points where we have said, what is their motivation? I can't tell you what Simon's really, what his true belief was. Because I want to tell you that it's kind of like what Greg said, and it's kind of what Daniel said about, about Thomas the doubter. We're going to call Thomas the doubter, but yet he's the man that says, Come, let us go, that we may die with him. Does anybody really know someone else's heart? But let me ask you in the aspect of this story, in the aspect of this story, do you feel like Simon was believing for the right reasons? It appears to me that Simon wanted to increase his sorcery powers. I think, it's a, I think it's a fair question. I do. I think it's a fair question that we should probably all ask ourselves. Listen, these two right here, let me tell you something, and Greg will echo the same thing, okay? Mom and Dad made it very clear when we were growing up. They made it very clear that on Sunday mornings we were going to go to church. They made it very clear that on Sunday evenings we were going to go to church. They made it very clear that on Wednesday evenings we were going to go to church. Now let me tell you one other thing. They also made it very clear that if you were too sick to go, you were too sick to do anything else. So there was really no reason to try to pull the wool over their eyes because you weren't going to get away with it. Now, why am I telling you that? Am I here today because of them?
I thought you might get a kick out of this. Look at what it says. Over the top, she's staring. Mom said no, but what would Dad say? How many of you ever had the instance, because I guarantee we did while we were raising our children, how many of you ever had the instance where you had one of your children come to you and they said to you, do you care if I do whatever? And what did you answer? What does every good father answer? What did your mom say? And what do they say? Well, nine times out of ten, R2 would say, well, she said to come and ask you. And then later I would say to Jamie, hey, what did you say? I said no. <laughs> Are we here today because of a famous preacher? Now, you know, you may chuckle when I show you this picture, but the fact of the matter is, who is it? Hey, you think he's had a profound impact on people? Yes or no? Do you think, do you think he has filled stadiums? Do you think that it is within the realm of possibility that there might be somebody who says, I believe what I believe because he says so? This is one that I wonder about sometimes, and I'm just going to throw it out there, and you can think about it. I wonder about this one. What about avoiding punishment? What did Simon do a while ago when Peter got on to him? What did Simon do when Peter got on to him? Would you pray for me because I don't want this to happen? Now, my question is, did Simon ask that because Simon was really believing? Or did Simon ask that because he was afraid he was going to get punished? Now, I'll tell you something else, since I'm picking on these two this morning. I was kind of afraid of mom, but not really. No offense. But I was kind of afraid of my dad. Not that I ever got spanked or ever got in trouble because I was a model child. Sure. <laughs> Look at what the Bible says about fear. Because it's funny, because you remember I did a sermon not long ago called The Flip Side? Look at, just real quickly, look at a couple of verses with me, and then we'll look at one more example of a person who maybe didn't quite believe for the right reasons, and then you can decide for yourself why you believe. Look right here. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, here's the point, and there's the point that I want you to understand. If, if I believe there are probably people that go to church out of duty, 
Now, I want you to think about this, and you can agree with me, you can disagree with me, but I think we're here to, to sharpen one another, to, to learn. I think there are people that go to church because they're afraid of punishment. I think there are people that go to church out of a sense of duty. I think there are people that go to church because great-grandma so-and-so would be ashamed in them if they weren't there. And while I don't necessarily think maybe those are bad reasons, maybe those are not the best reasons. You know, the Bible says the one who fears is not made perfect in love. In other, words, in other words, you know, what is this idea of fearing? What is this idea about God? God is love. The Bible also says, but here's the thing, there's a flip side to this. So you might want to look up here because what does the Bible say about fear? The Bible says his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Now this verse just said, this verse just said there is no fear in love, but this verse says that it maybe it is a good idea that you might fear him. And then this verse says, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. There really is a healthy fear. Now, you might want to read this with me, right there on the screen. There really is a healthy fear. However, fear should not be allowed to run rampant through our lives so that it becomes such a devastating factor that it produces failure. The problem is not getting rid of fear, but using it properly. Except here's my question to you. And I do think that this is an excellent analogy to good parents. You know what? It's probably a, it's probably a good idea that I did have a healthy fear of my dad. Maybe it is a good idea that I have a healthy fear of God. But I'm not sure that fear is the motivation for being here today. And I'm not sure that fear should be the number one motivation for what we believe. Go to Mark chapter 9, and we will conclude today. We're going to look at one more little story that I think you'll find interesting of a fella who maybe didn't believe for the right reasons. Go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 27. Mark chapter 9 verses 14 through 27, and we'll read this fairly quickly, and this will be the last item that we'll look at today. All right, here we go. But I do hope that you put yourself into the story, especially those of you that are here today that are parents. I think this is, a, this is an account that parents and grandparents can very much put themselves into. Starting with verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. 
As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Okay, now here, here we go. Just stop if you would for a second. Can I ask you a question? I'm just asking. Come on. Put yourself into the story. And if you put yourself into the story and this is your child, you know, you envision this child having these tremendously bad epileptic type seizures. For years, you've wanted him to get help. Why? Hey, because you love him. You love him. And you can't bear the thought of him being hurt. And so you bring this boy to this man called Jesus and his disciples, who you've been hearing all this good stuff about. And here come these disciples, and they gather around him, and nothing is happening. Even though you desperately want it to. So they brought him. Verse 20. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, and, and I'm going to tell you, here it is. If you don't take anything else with you today, I hope that you will take the next verse with you because this next verse has always resonated with me. And perhaps it will not with you, but I believe that it will. Hey, how many of you in here have desperately wanted something? How many of you in here have desperately wanted something? The man says, and listen to the way he says it, and the anguish that's in his voice, and the desire that he has. And what does he say? Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now how can you believe and not believe at the same time? What is the man saying? He's saying, I want to believe. Oh God. 
I want to believe. Help me. Help me believe. Help me believe. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can come out only by prayer. Now, if you'll take, if you'll indulge me for just a second, you'll notice something. And what you'll notice is, I'm going to ask the same three questions very quickly, but I changed the picture. This is no longer Simon asking for some sorcery power. This is a man who loves his son dearly. So the man comes to Christ with his son. What does he want? He wants him to be healed. And what's Jesus' response? Come on, because this is the crux of today's sermon. What is Jesus' response? If you what? If you believe. Now I want to ask you, because this one's a little bit different, maybe, and maybe not. I don't know. Listen, I'm going to say this very quickly. I don't know if Simon the sorcerer believed for the right reasons or not. That's not my call. That's not my call. It's not my call, and it's not your call. But you can think about it. Did Simon the sorcerer believe for the right reason? Okay, I don't know. That's up to you. You're, God gave you the Holy Spirit, and he gave you a mind. Yeah? What about the Father? Now we're thinking about the father. Did the father believe for the right reasons? You know what? The father was desperate. The father was desperate. So if you're a father right now, you, you stop and in your mind, you consider if that had been your child. Now I ask you today, and this is it, this is the last slide, because the premise of the sermon really isn't all that difficult, but answering the question might be just a little bit more difficult. Why do you believe? Why do you believe? Why are 
you hear? Do we have faith in God? Amen. Think about the two examples. Think about the characters in the stories. Think about whether or not you think they believe for the right reasons. And then I think we need to be able to do something, and I'm going to pass this out, and then we'll conclude. I think you've got to be able to look in the mirror. I think a wise man or a wise woman looks in the mirror at themselves, and says, what are my motivations? Well, I want to go to heaven. Well, that's awesome, but isn't that like wanting a bag of candy? Well, that's what mom and dad taught me. Well, that's awesome, but what do you think? I want something from Jesus. He also wants something from you. If you were to leave today and articulate, speak to another living human being and tell them why you believe, what would you say? Every person in this room should be able to do that. Agreed? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for letting us be here today. and I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the examples that you give us in the Scripture and that you help us learn and that you help us sharpen one another. Iron sharpens iron, God, as you tell us in the Scripture. You know, I look at the Father... And I can definitely identify with him. I would want desperately, I would want desperately to believe. The funny thing about it is, though, is I look at Simon the sorcerer and I identify with him as well. Because I guarantee that I've done things in my life and I didn't have the best reasons for doing them. Heavenly Father, my prayer for us today is that our belief will be grounded, that it will be founded on something that is pure, that it will be rooted in goodness and love and faith, and that we will do what we do simply because we want to. Heavenly Father, help us with our unbelief. I thank you, Lord, and I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.